0: When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This
1: is Money Talks.
0: We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Justin, Justin Wagner Justin who is that? oh yeah Wagner Justin <laughs> Wagner yeah it's the old age, isn't it oh, yeah. I'm sure you it know is. I mean We're, I say what up fam and we all don't that. just we trying don't, to keep me keep me fresh and you know I mean you are yeah. the oldest person
1: by far in this room
0: in this room yeah I'm sure mm.
1: yeah I'm
2: yeah, well, mean, I'm not twice as old as you.
0: Yeah, no, probably, I mean, you know, but, you don't. I, hey, I, you I don't. Don't you see say your that? last name? You make out like I've lost my mind, <laughs> and then you attack me for being and old. You say Is that's that's why
2: you got chief before your name.
0: Uh, well, okay. here's the thing. It's hard to get experience while you're as young as you guys. It, I mean, it takes a little living.
2: I mean, I got five kids,
0: though. so you, that can for it, something. you can call it what you want. No, no, no that just makes you senile <laughs> <a little> earlier. <laughs> yeah, among other things. Uh, that is, yeah. That's stress. That's yeah. not experience. That's here. right. All right, so let's get back to our finance discussion. Uh, we've already mentioned SP 500 is up uh, huge on the year. Let's talk a little about some of the other asset classes. I know, um, Justin, it's one of the things that you talk about. As a fiduciary um, in a 401K plan, one of the big things is to make sure that there's access to multiple asset classes so that an individual can get a well-diversified portfolio. So why not cover some of those others? Uh, S&P 500 was up big. Now, these are numbers through mm, Monday, uh, I guess this is... Tuesday, the night or the eight or Wednesday, the 18th. Sorry, I'll catch it right in a minute. Uh, mid caps, 25.04% year to date in 2019, uh, through the 18th of December. Small caps, 22.4%. Uh, international developed, which means usually large cap. This is going to be uh, mostly companies in, in uh, Europe, um, you know, Japan. Uh, anything outside of the U.S. in a developed nation, 21.79%. These are all total return numbers, which means that they include um, they include the uh, dividend. Uh, emerging markets up 17.9%. So it did lag the large cap domestic by 12% approximately in uh, 2019. I know um, you know we have really been cutting back on both emerging markets and small caps. Since we saw our, that late 2018 downturn and we saw that those companies were really weak on the rebound, uh, this is pretty much indicative of what happened then. Now, uh, the bond index. This is the Barclays US aggregate bond index. It's gonna include treasuries, uh, some municipals, as well as credit or corporate bonds. Jared, do you care to guess? What we're up on the it's bond total, total
2: return on the year?
0: Yeah, on bonds hmm. on the spot. Come on, man, eight percent. Do- yeah, you cheated. It's no, actually it eight and a half. No, eight point four six.
2: Yeah. Well, I've just been having to look at it more lately because there's been a lot of conversation about you know the interest rate environment and kind of what what it's been doing and yeah, people there's I think there's some just some misconception about really you know what's going on there and also. There's also become seemingly a stigma about fixed income in general. Where I, we've been in this bull market for so long, I can't tell you how many times lately I've said to clients, "I know that these these yields, these returns on fixed income and whatnot don't look attractive right now, but that's because you've forgotten what it's like to be down 20 or 30 percent. Tell me what a two or three percent return in a year looks like when it's down 30 yeah. percent. You'd be glad that you have that. So it, yeah. there's there's just this. Uh, tendency, I think these days, with where the markets come and where it's at now, to sort of really hit, view it in, with that stigma, but it shouldn't be. Right. Especially considering <laughs> what you just said with yeah. what the returns been.
0: Well, one of the things that I like to do is look at returns from other spots, not just a year year over year basis, because in my opinion, the market really doesn't care what day it is. Uh, there are certain seasonal effects in the market, but um, you know, we we lost. Uh, almost 20% from September 20th of 2018 down to December 24th of 2018. So looking at what has happened since the top of that, before that decline uh, is is pretty telling in my opinion. S&P 500 since September 20th, 2018 is up 11.65%. So uh, we did hit new all-time highs on several occasions in 2019, Um, You know, we eclipsed the previous top by 11.65. Mid-caps are only up 2.18. Small-caps down 3.79. They never really rebounded as much as the rest of the market. Uh, International developed, these are larger companies again, 6.4% higher. And then emerging markets are up 10.46%. And much of that came in the last 90 days. Actually, for emerging markets.
2: Are we seeing a shift with the small caps, or is that you think more of an anomaly with just the rebound since you know the end of last year? Because- I think it's
0: risk, kind of risk related. In fact, we had lots of folks talking. I was one of them, uh, you know, about the way that uh, the economy looked at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and the fact that um, you know it, uh, these stocks didn't act properly or didn't act as as I would have expected in a rebound. Uh, and like I say, we, we recommended clients remove some of that exposure to emerging markets and small caps. Let me leave you with this last number. So I told you S&P 500 up 11.65%. Mm-hmm. The bond index, you want to guess on that one? Since when? September
2: 20, 2018. Oh, gosh. Oh. I don't have any ideas. Like it's a.
0: Ten percent percent ten and a half percent in a you know a little more than a year on the bond index almost beating equities wow anyway yeah, that's uh, the truth we've been talking about uh two thousand nineteen and recent returns and and uh you know we threw out um before the break how the the bond market is almost Done as well as the, the large cap stock market, which large cap stocks, domestic stocks have uh, have basically led the way um, in in recent years. Um, although they were negative in 2018, down 4.37%. If you go over the last two years, we're still, you know, up about I think it's around 8% something like that over the last two years annualized. So um, the big return we've had in 2019 has, has uh, obviously eclipsed the decline that we had. Actually, we had two pretty significant declines in 2018, one early February, and then that one from September through December. Um, so uh, it, it really is strange. Um, I would add to the fact that bonds have been up since uh, September 20th of 2018 by 10 and percent that the yield, which is what everybody looks at, has only been 2.7% on that same mm-hmm. uh, U.S. aggregate bond index that I'm quoting there. So, um, you know, it's it's not only about the yield. We had three rate cuts in 2019. Uh, many banks went into the year thinking that, uh, that we were gonna have yield increases because December of 2018, remember, that was part of the worry that drove the market down was the fact that we were going to have this... Well, we that was almost
2: a, the singular cause of yeah, what We were going to have another that.
0: rate cut, or a rate increase, rather, and well, we did. And and part of it, I've talked about being political, it, it's somewhat a bother to me that you see the politi- politicalization of a financial concept that really should never have anything political on it. We saw President Trump go out and talk about you know how he thought the fed should pause or cut rates instead of raising interest rates this was before that decision was made and while they might tell us that they they uh, didn't consider that i can't really help but believe that it was a thumb in the eye and it wasn't for any other purpose except for the fact that he was trying to you know, make a make a situation political that had no business being. So,
2: um, well, it was kind of good to see though the Fed chairman. Uh, while I think you're right, it was certainly done out of some spite. Probably shouldn't have been, and and the market actually has told you that it was it was not, not a the good right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. to to maintain the idea of that, you know, the Fed being an independent body, which is it's supposed to be, right, and and not being affected by what the presidential you know or the administration yeah. is saying
0: this or any other administration Exactly right. and I think
2: he didn't want he didn't want it to look like he was just going with he was he was succumbing to President Trump's pressure of right. doing what he wanted him to do but but clearly whether that was the case or not it's clear that the the move to increase rates prior to that quarter was was a big factor in driving it down Yeah I believe so, so
0: yeah, so you know the fears of of uh, potential economic slowing and a and a rate increase. Of course, we've had three rate cuts at a period when we've also had uh, all-time highs. That's pretty rare too. Mm-hmm. Usually, you see rate interest rate increases to slow down a market like this. But we've had we've had prices going higher and inflation pretty much in check. Yeah. So why is it again that we're trying? To, I mean, we're trying to trying to juice inflation mm-hmm. when we have a market at all-time highs. It's, it really is seems like it's disconnected. There's a lot of a
2: uniqueness going on. I, you know, I was just with some clients that I was telling, it's not often that you see home values where they are while interest rates are where they are. Right. You know, I mean, for them to be at at nearly all-time lows, if if not at all-time lows at this point to still have the home values come roaring back as they've done since the financial crisis. I, there's not many times in history you can look at and see that they've been that strong, the, the home values, that is. Right. And interest rates as low as they are. So there, I think that's the case in a lot of different aspects across the board right now for whatever reason. And yeah. you're right. I mean, why are we juicing?
0: Yeah well well they continue to fall is really the the more the more pertinent situation so you know you would usually expect that that uh, lower interest rates are meant to to stimulate growth um and higher interest rates are usually used to keep inflation in check but we've got inflation below the fed's target at 2% if you look at cpi recently we saw 2.1% in inflation uh, again, according to the Consumer Price Index, but the PCE deflator, which is the, the measure that the Fed uses for their decision making, is still below that 2%. So um, we did see the needle move a bit recently. Uh, we do get, uh, you know, a, a um, GDP measure, <clears throat> and uh, once we see that, we'll see the, the PCE deflator as well. But current situation is not really too bad. I've talked about, you know, issues with uh, With valuation, valuation in the S&P 500 is still very stretched, Mm -hmm. uh, about 27.5% higher. When you talk about trailing 12-month P.E., price-to-earnings ratio, is about 27% above its long-term average. Now, the market participants quite often will tell you that the forward P.E. is a better measure, but um, I I really do believe that... uh, uh You know if you believe that then uh, growth is on the horizon i 'm not mm-hmm. so sure that, uh, that that's going to be the case, but if you think about low interest rates that's usually uh one of the factors that you have to to consider to have uh good growth um, One of the other positives that we have right now is uh unemployment very low three point five percent which is oh, below yeah. what we would normally consider as as uh you know fully in, full oh, employment
2: yeah. which is closer to what four. Fourish. ish Yeah, or is usually fully?
0: four. Uh, it, I've heard four, four and a half, five yeah. even, but five's been a while. So <laughs> I think we've gotten so accustomed to it being this low, maybe we've even moved what we consider <laughs> full employment. Sure. But, um, you know, the, the thing is everybody that wants a job pretty much has a job. Um, and not only that, personal income is growing by a significant margin over Inflation, so people's incomes are growing faster than inflation. The consumer's happy. Consumption mm-hmm. makes up almost 70% of our gross domestic product. Mm-hmm. When you have a situation like this, you know, you should normally expect that we're going uh, to have growth. Going forward, as long as that consumer stays employed.
2: Well, they are. I mean, I think sentiment and spending on the part of the consumer is about as high as it's been in a really long time.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's looking good.
2: To have all that still be the case, I mean, to your point, there's all these other indicators. You know, whether it be inflation or interest rates and, and them being appropriate, unemployment, consumer sentiment, consumer spending, all of that is really it looks very healthy right now, and, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of concern on well, those parts.
0: Well, <clears throat> there, there's a couple of things that I would say to that. Uh, a guy like me who sits around looking at these numbers all the time. Uh, first of all, it's kind of like I've, I've made the correlation to it's like playing king of the hill. When you're the king of the hill, when you're at the top, there's only one direction to go. Oh, yeah. And uh, unemployment being as low as it is, it can only get worse from here, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I sit around and and worry probably more than is is, uh, um, warranted. But uh, we've got an election coming up in 2020. Uh, It'll be fun to watch the the markets. They generally do a pretty good job of uh, indicating – Elections, in as much as if they're higher coming into the election in the, in the few months prior to, uh, they can they can be a good indicator as to you know the party at least that's going to be in power. Uh, positive markets mean party in power stays in power. Negative markets usually mean that we're going to have a regime change. Um, I guess I don't have a drum roll, but I will tell you that what I think is more likely in 2020 than the long term ten and a half percent average or thirty percent like we see in two thousand nineteen or even you know the negative four point three seven that we saw in two thousand eighteen. I, I think we're more likely to see uh you know a slightly positive market. But I, I wouldn't you know I'm not gonna throw out um some huge number. Uh you know, we did see an impeachment this year. Uh Jarrett, you were talking about some, some numbers following the two prior impeachments of presidents, uh and they were positive in the year following. Yeah. Uh in, in both instances. Um, you know, the, the thing that uh, I will tell you is um equity markets are very volatile. It's very difficult to forecast what's gonna happen, especially in the short term year to year. Uh we know over the long term it gets a little easier to, to, uh, make a call on, on returns. Um, part of it is the fact that, uh, inflation plays into higher prices, higher prices become the revenues of corporations. Those corporations, uh, when they get higher revenues, they often more of the, the income makes it to the bottom line. So earnings grow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when earnings grow, we have this thing called the Price-to-earnings ratio, as I've said, it's around 16.5% long-term on average Uh, right now. For the S&P? For the S&P, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and, um, you know, it's a little higher for some of the smaller companies, obviously. Um, But, uh, you know, what we see right now is uh, a little bit, uh, we see inflation in the price of the S&P 500, according to the price-to-earnings ratio. We've got events that could be volatile or cause volatility coming up. Uh, trade war still somewhat ongoing, although we have a reported, you know, early uh, yeah. level one, round one, whatever you wanna call moving it. in the right direction. Uh, yeah, seems mm-hmm. to be, and then we have an election. So um, you can follow along at home, but if, if you see the markets rising coming into the election then you know it's it's probably a positive sign for the party in power uh if it starts declining leading up to the election in the you know three or four months prior to then uh, you might start considering what happens if mm-hmm. you know we we have a regime change if you will
1: well, would it be fair to say the risk at this point is to the downside
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. When you right. have valuations I mean, that are that are built, where we're at. and and not only that, I mean that's part of the reason that I talk about the market being or the economy being like playing king of the hill. I mean, right. you know, where do you go to get in, uh, unemployment lower than three and a half percent? This is pretty pretty historical uh, levels right now. So, yeah. um, I, I would I would say around five percent. If you want me to be put my CFA hat on, and and talk about uh, kind of what uh, a, a, a broader potential outcome, probably, and this is no fun, I know, so ten percent loss to maybe a fifteen percent gain uh, if I'm trying to reduce the uh, the uh, overconfidence in a, in a uh, forecast that's what I would do. Um, but you know again, the reason that we talk about the 10 year rule is because equities are so difficult to forecast in the short term. Let me flesh that out for just a second, and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. But the 10-year rule basically states that any money that you have that you will need to spend from your assets, from your long-term savings over the next 10 years should be held in high-quality bonds. Now, it's not bond funds, but individual bonds. Mm. Um, And the reason behind that is the volatility in the bond market is much lower. And we just fleshed out the fact that over – you know, a very volatile period over the last year and a half, we saw bonds return 10 and percent, while the market also returned about 11 and change, right? So um, that is, in a nutshell, the 10-year rule on the fixed income side. So any money that you don't need for the next 10 years, we recommend should be invested in the equities market. While they are volatile, we know over long periods of time, 10 years or more, uh, we have seen... Only two instances of those 10-year rolling periods over the last 80-some years since 1925. uh, We've only seen two instances where um, there was a negative return. And
1: I want to expand on that real quick because you talk about the 10-year rule and a lot of people who listen to this show may have a 401k plan.
0: Yeah, most have a 401k. Mm -hmm. Or some type of
1: retirement plan. The amount of phone calls I have received in the last month or two with people who are not just within 10 years, but within five years from retirement, mm. that have been invested too conservatively, that now all of a sudden want to get more equity exposure. Right. That is the problem that we're dealing with, and yeah. I'm sure that you mm-hmm. all are hearing a lot of the same
0: thing. Yeah. And now, as you may, as you mentioned, Justin, uh, is not really the time to be taking on more risk. No. Well, I would say rebalance your portfolio. Make sure that your fixed income is where it should be. Uh, you know, as, sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, not only yep. because the, the equities are not only they're so expensive right now, right. but also selling those, trimming those back for the liquidity coverage on the ten year old like you're talking about. I was just telling the clients I was with before our show today, you are much more likely to look back and say, I'm glad I sold right now or when I did yeah. than you are to look back and say, I wish I hadn't have sold. So yep. if you have needs for fixed income because of liquidity and the market's up thirty percent in a year and, and basically at all time highs you should most definitely be moving to fixed income to at least the extent that you're covering for your liquidity because that, I promise you you will not look back and say it was a bad decision. Might you look back and, and been able to see a more optimal day or time to have sold? Sure, but you're not going to look back and say that was not the, the right decision. The
1: majority of people care less about missing out on that last 5 to 10% than mm-hmm. they care about losing that 20% to 30%. Oh, yeah. that's
0: absolutely true.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: People are, the and human being is generally risk-averse. So you know Losses mean more to them than big gains. Um, one last thing. If you don't know the answer to that question, how much money do I need in the next 10 years? Jarrett can help you. Uh, it's called a financial plan, and uh, you know it, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Again, you can call us 770-429-9166. Um, you know it, it's it's uh, not all that difficult, but uh, sometimes you need a little help getting started, mm-hmm. and, and we can always help you with that.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right, so. That's going to be about it for a radio show, guys. Um, so, we'll
2: not, not what happens next week, but what happens next year.
0: Yeah, I think the market's up. Gotta I'm be. A broken up. record. Gotta yeah. be up. Yeah. Justin, come on. I mean, i got to side with him. There we go. Thanks for listening to Money Talks.